Welcome to STR Unfiltered, where we give you actionable episodes without the bullshit. Here is your host, Bill Faith. Got to give a huge shout out to my boys over at Price Labs. Man, do they make my life easy. I don't have to manually adjust rates. I don't have to worry about tracking all these different compression events or you know, what days I need to raise or lower my pricing. Look, the beauty of using a dynamic pricing tool like Price Labs is they do it for you. It's as simple as going in and setting your, your low, your medium, and your high pricing. And then they're the ones that are extracting all the data from all the other short-term rentals, Airbnb, Verbo, you know, the compression events that are coming in, hotel data, and they optimize your pricing for you. Look, it's really simple. I believe that if I had to do my pricing management manually, I'd probably be costing myself 30 to 35%. So if you want to make that extra 30 to 35%, make sure you check out Price Labs. It's my go-to and it should be yours as well. They're giving you a huge discount and a 30-day free trial. All you have to do is go to hello.pricelabs.co, click on the start your free trial at the top right-hand corner, and literally use my personal code, Bill25. That's Bill25, all caps, and get 25% off your first three months. The link is also in the show notes, so it is super easy access. Get it now. Look, you're not gonna be able to maximize your profit without dynamic pricing, and Price Labs is my go-to. It should be yours as well. Hey everybody, Bill Faith from Build Short-Term Rental Wealth. This is another episode in our Super Team series of the STR Unfiltered podcast. And today I'm being joined by Jeff Hampton, who is the founder of STR Law Guys. He's an investor just like you are and the foremost authority inside the short-term rental space for all things law, asset protection, contracts. I think we're going to talk about uh, quite a few of those touch points today. So let me welcome Jeff. How are you today, my friend? I'm doing great, Bill. Thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me on. I'm uh, pretty excited about this. I appreciate awesome. It. Well, cool. I'm excited to have you. It's kind of ironic that you're wearing a suit jacket, you know, as an <laughs> attorney. So I just wanted to let everybody know, I've known Jeff now for about a year. He's a member of my mastermind. He has been the complete opposite of what we all think of as an attorney. Really, Jeff is a super savvy and experienced investor that just happens to have a day job in the law industry. And Jeff, we, we were talking about before we started the podcast, a lot of things from why LLCs are not enough to protect our assets. You know, we'd mentioned, you know, like, hey, the whole commercial insurance, you know, and liability layers. And you have this whole plan that you've delivered in our accelerator program of, you know, kind of the under million dollar, you know, and net worth one to five, five plus. And a lot of people just aren't doing it right. They just do the Wyoming LLC and they're like, oh man, I'm done. I got everything covered all the way down to the other thing we were just talking about co-hosting agreements. And I think there's a lot of people that are doing co-hosting right and wrong and probably have some liability state by state and how they're doing their agreements. So I'd like to unpack as much of that as we can today. I'll let you start. Well, so it is interesting. You know, one of the questions a lot of people are asking nowadays is maybe I'm not ready to purchase. Maybe I'm still trying to find a good market to go into with interest rates where they're at. So co-hosting is a very hot topic and a lot of people are just kind of rolling out there with a, a very basic co-host agreement. And it's crazy. Just in the last few months, I've had so many people contacting us and saying, hey, I've got this issue with this owner. I've not thought about my agreement in the past. And one of the areas co-hosting is wonderful. And obviously you're an expert in that bill. And one of the areas there to, to be able to increase your income and to really find a way to use that as kind of jet fuel to get into other investments 
And one of the things that I always remind people is you need a co-host, a custom co-host agreement, ideally to cover state-specific provisions. This is contract law. You want to make sure that those state-specific provisions are provided for. And remember what a co-host agreement is. It's inherently a little different than a property management agreement. Part of what you want to make sure that you're doing is outlining the host responsibilities and obligations, but also the ownership. And one of the things that we look at is I find a lot of co-host agreements end up mixing a lot of the marketing, trying to close the, the co-host arrangement with the legal piece. And if you're not careful, what will happen is you end up diluting the legal aspect of your agreement. And that can very easily, I, I'll give you an example. I, I talked to somebody the other day and their, their actual owner was an attorney. I mean, obviously you run into a situation, the owner is a lawyer and all of a sudden- I lawyer, might pass on that one. I'm not <laughs> co-hosting for you. And by the way, I reminded them next time, think about that before you jump into that one. But uh, they they had all these concerns and even being able to work through the agreement when they came to a disagreement on that. So it's really important to make sure that you get some good counsel on figuring out, making sure that your co-host agreement is where it should be. So that's, that's point number one. And then I know you mentioned kind of leading into the co-host side, one of the biggest misconceptions that I talked to a lot of people is I got a lot of people coming to me saying, hey, look, Jeff, I've got my my assets in an LLC already. Shouldn't that cover me? And I find out there's four or five properties in a single LLC. And one of the things I remind people is be careful. Ideally, you want to have a single purpose, what I call single purpose entity LLC, where each property goes into its own LLC to segregate that risk because we've actually been talking to a, a client right now that came to us from someone else and they had three properties in there and they just recently had a slip and fall incident where it's been reported and it could be litigation. Well, those other two properties are now at risk because they're all under the same LLC. So these are points that a lot of people just don't realize. So let me ask you a question. You and I have talked about this and this may be too deep to get into, but how do you get out of that? So, I mean, I'm in that, right? Because I've, I've had this, I've made so much appreciation and money in my investing. I've had the split 1031s, right? So when you sell that 1031, you buy that new, like I, I have West Beach STR, right? And I had beach houses. Well, now I've got North Carolina properties, which have no business being in that LLC. So I'm the guy that has three properties in one LLC. How do I get them out? Great question. So this is where the state-specific laws really come into play. And I don't want to get too far into the weeds to lose anybody, but I will tell you this. This is so reason why it's so important. I get a lot of people that say, well, I'm just going to quit claim it out. I'll move it out and then I'll move it into a different LLC. Depending on what state you're in, for instance, if you're in Tennessee, even North Carolina, Florida, there will be both transfer tax issues associated with that. If you just move something out of one entity into another, in Tennessee, you have something called the fonts tax which is, if you understand this, this is where people get frustrated. There's the integration of the tax piece with the legal piece. And so it's important to get the consultation before you move these things, because you can use mechanisms such as land trusts. One option is something known as a land trust that allows you to actually move it without it being in public record. There's ways to be able to move assets from one name into a different entity structure without it being in public record. It can help you avoid things like the do on sale clause. It can also help you be able to move assets in and out of structures without it incurring tax penalties, depending on your state. So that is a, uh, a very legal answer, but I think it's <laughs> pared down well enough. The, the biggest takeaway that I take from what you just said, Jeff, is the reason that not only do I just have Jeff Hampton on my super team, but I have Ryan Bakey as well. 
Absolutely. And Jeff and Ryan work in tandem. They have a lot of shared clients. And when you're in our accelerator program or our war room program, you get both of them before you have to make that decision. Because if, if you don't have a guy like Jeff that understands, isn't an investor, isn't really deep into the SDR world, you're just going to do what you do to protect the, you know, the asset for your client, right? And so that's why you need both of them working together for somebody like me or somebody like you that's listening or watching to make sure that you don't have one of those taxes. So what I hear is I probably would want to explore you handling this for me and pay, probably going down the land trust issue because I don't want to have, you know, any type of tax implications. Then if you have a 1031, that can probably throw in a little bit more complicated issue. Then what if you have a DSCR and a 1031, you know, then that can complicate it even more. Because you can't get quick claim out of that DSCR, most likely. Then you're going to, you know, that note's going to be called or at least the prepayment. Some, there's so many layers to this. We can't just do what we see on Facebook, right? And by the way, you you make a really good point because here's the thing that I find. And I know it's frustrating for investors because investors will begin to realize that they see a path of where they need to go, but they'll call their lawyer and the lawyer will say, well, go talk to your accountant. The accountant will say, well, also go talk to your lawyer. Never will you get those two guys hardly ever in the same room. And so one of the benefits that I know we're also looking to do as part of the super team is you need to have that type of counsel together. Those things need to be taking place at the same time. And you're exactly right. In that situation, I would sit down with you, Bill. And what we would do is not only go over it for your situation, but then also let's bring in the accountant piece. Let's answer it all in the same room. And don't forget the lending, the banking piece, which John is so critical on. All of that comes together. Let's say you want to do a refi. If you put something into an LLC and later on, maybe you're buying something now at 7%, but later on, you're going to want to refi that out at a lower rate. An, a land trust can help allow you to pull that back out and to be able to do so, but not incur a tax penalty and then move it back in and restate it into that trust. So there are many, many different pieces to this that can be very helpful. That's gold right there, folks. I mean, you look at the bank whisper, the law whisper, and the tax whisper all in the same room. That's how you get that shit done. Jeff, we're talking about LLCs. Why why is an LLC or even a Wyoming Wyoming LLC in the STR social media world's like the golden goose? You don't need to do anything else. You got layered LLCs rolled into that Wyoming LLC. You are a thousand percent, you know, protected. If I stay at your property, I slip and fall, I crack my head open on your, you know, your your sunbathing shelf that doesn't have no lifeguard on duty. You don't tell me it's only six inches deep. You're still protected by that Wyoming LLC, correct? Yeah, that's the problem. So a lot of people refer to that as kind of the layered LLC approach with the Wyoming LLC as your holding company. Very briefly, there are some good things about a Wyoming LLC. You do have privacy. It makes it to where if you set it up properly, your all of your underlying properties will not be seen in your in your personal name. And there is something called charging order protection, which means if you lose your lawsuit, if you have a Wyoming LLC holding company, it can help you. They cannot force you to sell that property in order to exercise that judgment. But here's the downside is what if you actually do get sued? If you get sued and you try to move any of those assets out of that Wyoming LLC, there's something called a fraudulent transfer, which means now everything's frozen. And trying to move those assets out or around, you lose flexibility. So people always talk about how great the Wyoming LLC is, but actually in a lawsuit, you have very little flexibility. So one of the things that we have that we recommend is the Arizona Limited Partnership Holding Company approach completely changes everything. Because when you take this viewpoint, it's similar to a real estate syndication. You've got a general partner that we recommend as a Wyoming LLC for privacy. 
and a limited partner that we use as a trust. Here's the key. If you get sued, not only do you still have privacy, but the statute allows the limited partner trust. It says in the event of a crisis event, which a lawsuit is a crisis event, it allows that limited partner trust to separate from the general partner. And that can happen post-lawsuit. And it's not a fraudulent transfer because the partnership agreement provided for it pre-lawsuit. Now, I know I'm getting real legal on you here, but the point I'm trying to make on this is there is another way. I didn't cook this up in my in my back room, you know, a couple of weeks ago. This has been around for decades. It's a structure that allows people to be able to have diversification of risk in the event something comes up, which short-term rentals are a high-risk asset, but yet you still have that tax positive treatment on it in terms of taxes, and it does not affect your lending. So you need that kind of flexibility if you're looking to move around your short-term rentals. That is awesome stuff. I know we're over our 10-minute time limit, but I want to ask you one more question as an individual that had to go through probate with my grandfather's will when he passed away over real, it was like, it was a farm, which was classified as real estate, right? So I just recently saw on your Instagram reels that you are talking about how to avoid probate. And I think too many investors don't think about this in advance of what's going to happen when they die and how hard it is or easy it is for like one or two really small changes and how you have your assets set up can make or break you know, your heirs that you're leaving, you know, your assets to. So how can the average investor, what are they doing wrong and what can they do to avoid probate? That's a really great point. We don't like to think about these things until we need them. No one wants to think you're ever going to need these things. The reality of it is a will does have its downsides. In most states, it requires you to have to go to probate court, which is expensive. Lawyers make too much money off of it. It holds everything up. It can take a long time and it's in public record, but a trust is a better way. And part of having what many, many people have heard of a living trust or a family, kind of a revocable living trust, you can set that up not only as a piece for your asset protection in the Arizona Limited Partnership, but everything that a will can do, a trust can do better. And the reality of it is that trust can set up during your lifetime. You can be the settlor, which is the one who sets it up and, and funds the trust. You can be the trustee, the one in control of those assets. And you can be the beneficiary. And then if once you pass away, if you die, your successor trustee can take over and make sure at that point they have a fiduciary duty to act on behalf of those beneficiaries. It avoids will contests. It avoids probate. It allows all of your wishes to be done according to the trust because trusts under the law are perpetual. They live beyond your life. So it's there is a much better way that a lot of us don't really want to think about because we don't want to think about that day in the future. Folks. That's 13 minutes and 45 seconds of pure gold on how to protect your assets, how to get your contracts right for co-hosting, the busting the myth of the protection from a Wyoming-based and layered LLCs all the way down to the trust. And I, I kind of, if I really connect the dots from the probate avoidance in a trust and the asset protection and the separation of GP and LP in under Arizona state statute, that Arizona trust and the LP is really the critical component here, correct? Yeah, absolutely. It's It provides you a, let me just put it this way. If you're in a Wyoming LLC, you've got some protection, but you're this close to having tremendously more protection when you talk about an Arizona limited partnership approach. Plus you get that estate planning benefit of the, of the uh, trust in that limited partner role. That is wonderful. Guys, gals, look, 
Jeff is not your typical attorney. He's actually a great guy. He's not a, a blood-sucking leech, as Mr. <laughs> Wonderful would probably refer to attorneys. And he's so giving, he does free consultations. You can find him and his firm at strlawguys.com. strlawguys.com. You can see it here on the video. Jeff, thank you for joining me today. I look forward to uh, seeing you in Nashville in a couple weeks. And we'll see the rest of you on the next episode of STR Unfiltered. Thank you for listening to STR Unfiltered, where we give you actionable episodes without the bullshit. This podcast is a Hospitality.fm production.